Any of those kids from here? Beautiful sound, isn't it? Children screaming, having fun. It's good. How you going, Matt? Had job come through yet? Let's be praying for Matt. He's hanging on for a job right now. Push through for him. Steve Pouch is looking for a job right now. He's applied, moved down here full time. I don't know where that came from. Matt, you're distracting me. Um, praying for each other. It's good. I'm looking forward to some testimonies. If you have some testimonies, let us know. Like We want to start to to reveal what God is doing in people's lives this year. Everyone's lives are being changed big time this year. Uh, I, I'm looking around this room. I know a little bit of most of you here, and, and there's a lot of change happening, and um, I want to hear some great stories, and uh, we want to celebrate with you. So as they come in, let us know. Is that all right? Hey, we've been looking at... Um, since Pentecost Sunday, the beginning of the book of Acts, you can get your Bibles ready. We're going to be going back there again. And um, we looked at uh, the Holy Spirit coming when people gathered together, tongues of fire came, and they were sent out and they were speaking another language. And um, many, many uh, miracles and signs and wonders were taking place. Multitudes of people were being added to the kingdom daily. And, uh, and then persecution hit the church. And we looked at it last week. And uh, we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 9 soon. Um, but for, from this point on, as the persecution hit the church and, and the believers were scattered, we see the gospel for the first time ever, the good news gospel, the gospel of Jesus, being travelled to nations right around the world. Not just cities nearby, but they were scattered right across the nation. Philip had an encounter with an Ethiopian leader, leader of the of Ethiopia on his way back to Africa and and the gospel grabbed hold of his life and he took the gospel with him back to Africa and right around the world now that we see uh, moves of God and, and they say Africa at the moment is seeing an amazing move of God. We're up to 50% of people are claiming to be born-again Christians at the moment in Africa. And um, stemming back to stories like this that we're reading in the book of Acts when it all began. And, and it's, it's exciting. And um, so I'm excited to bring the word this morning. Um, but we're going to look at the second half of the book of Acts where we follow Paul's missionary journeys. Dan mentioned it this morning. Paul's such a great example of what it means to be a missionary, and I'm excited to get into those thoughts this morning. Let's um, read, oh, there's my Bible, Acts chapter 9. You there? You either need to make sound of page turning, or your phone needs to not be on silent so I can hear you pressing your buttons to get there. You there? Let's read the Word of God this morning. Meanwhile, Saul. So meanwhile, I need to remind you where this meanwhile came from. Meanwhile was put in there because the last two chapters had just been describing the type of persecution which was all of a sudden hitting the church. Stephen was stoned, as in killed, and he was... uh, but, but it actually sparked revival to go right around, around the world. But he, as he was killed, and um, these people that were throwing stones at him, taking off their jackets and things and placing them at the feet of a man 
named Saul. And all of this great persecution came and we hit this verse 1 in chapter 9, meanwhile. So in the midst of all of this, Saul was uttering threats of every breath, with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Nice start to the message this morning. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. The followers of the way speaks of these early Christians, the way of that Christ made. And as they, as they preached to each other, encouraged each other, they were known as the people of the way. It's a good name, right? Actually, this church was called the way going back a long time ago, but it's changed since then, had a few name changes. Anyway, God seems to always change his mind. Where do we get up to? Anyone? There we go. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Verse 7, the man with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Phone should be on silent. Didn't I mention that already? Man, where do we go? Verse 9. He didn't eat or drink. Verse 10. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about this, the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Verse 15, but the Lord said, go. And Saul, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, sounds like Wayno, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't remember God said that. He just said, go and pray and bring back his sight. Interesting, though. 
Uh, God sent me so that you'd re- regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and he was baptized. After he ate some food and regained, afterward he ate some food and he regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for your word. It's not just an interesting story, but it's life to us, Lord. It, uh, it, it, it compels us to, to discover you on a greater level. And we pray that this morning we would discover some truths in here that will take us to another level. We thank you that you are the God of transformations. And in this example, you took Saul, you changed him to become the great missionary, Paul. And Lord, we pray for people this morning. We pray for those that aren't here. We pray for our, our, our city here this morning in Batemans Bay and our nation, that you would be a God that transforms people's lives, that takes people from where they're at on the journey they are heading down and turns them around to find their true journey in life with you. We thank you. You set us free all the time. And we invite you here in that capacity this morning. Amen. Amen. So here we have Paul. He's known as Saul. God changes his name. And from here on in the book of Acts, you read great story after great story of how Paul went to city after city preaching the good news of Jesus. He performed many miracles. He saw many saved. He planted churches. He encouraged and discipled many Christians. This is the missionary Paul who I want to look at this morning. This is the missionary Paul who I want to learn a few things about this morning. People who have made a real difference in their lives over history that come to mind are missionaries. People that have made a difference with their life that come to my mind over history are missionaries. Those that went from a particular place into a completely foreign culture or place and made a huge difference and their legacy lives on. I was over in Fiji only a year ago with Cass. We were on a holiday over there and we happened to be at one point in the foyer of this sort of open air uh, hotel because it's too hot to be closed in over there. So you've got a roof and that's about it. But just below the roof was their equivalent to their walls. They didn't come to the ground because the breeze has to blow through. They just stepped down about a metre underneath the roof. And they had a huge painting on, on three walls right around this foyer hotel, which would have been maybe four or five times the size of this hall, just massive. And then it spilled out into the open areas as well. But across this... Uh, underneath the roof line was this mural, this painting of 
of a story of some type. And we asked a fella there, we asked one of the staff members who just happened to be um, walking by, what's, what's with the paintings? Tell us what's, what this is about. And he said, oh, that's the missionaries. What are you what are you talking about? And he and he, he stopped what he was doing. He spent five minutes with us telling us about this the story of Fiji. I'd never heard the story of Fiji. Some of you may have heard the story of Fiji, but he was it was a local dark skinned fella and just to 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 see him with tears welling up in his eyes as he tells this story of his nation, how they used to be um at war with each other continually, how they used to be cannibals, how it was just a, a, a really rough place. And, and he describes and shows these pictures of these, they happened to be white missionaries that came to the island of Fiji with the gospel of Jesus and the gospel of love. And, and, and it was that point that their nation was turned around forevermore. It was at that point they were like a converted Saul to became a Paul. You hear what I'm saying? Like they, they had their transformation when this message that was delivered by his words, missionaries, came and landed on their nations, on, the, on their shores. And I thought it was fantastic to see them. Like, And that's why they're such a Christian nation now because they all publicly... Uh, recall the story of the of the great missionaries that came with the great message of Christ to their nation. Later that day, we actually went for a, a tour through a primary school on our way to a, um, a a waterfall nearby, a beautiful place. But on on the way to this waterfall, we stopped. The the, 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 the minibus driver got us out, and we went through a little tour through a local primary school there. And that was cool, seeing the little kids being taught. And in the middle of their classes, we just sort of look in the windows. But I looked at the board to see what they were teaching. And they had, um, you know, blackboards still with chalk. Remember that, Lauren? Did you ever have that? No. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about it. Oh, when you were at school. Not now as a teacher. Um, anyway, they still got the blackboards and the chalk, which is pretty cool. But on, in, on a painted section of the, the blackboard, you know that's when it's real serious, right? Because that never gets changed. It's like the times tables. They're just up there permanently. They're not written in chalk. Anyway, was this the corner of this blackboard was painted on these statements about the missionaries coming and it was part of these really small children's education that they, they learnt who they are um, and, and they held highly these missionaries that came to their nation. Anyway, it was a beautiful thing. But we, we see stories of, and we read stories of missionaries like Mother Teresa going into Calcutta, uh, I got that right, yeah, in India, and uh, doing amazing things there. Uh, we got some friends, Danny and um, Leonie Graham at the moment are over in Africa with the Irene Gleason Foundation. Irene Gleason is another one of these modern-day um, missionaries that we read of. And I've had a few friends over my short days who have packed up their families and headed over to a foreign country. I've got a friend at the moment who is over in India and I love seeing a post on Facebook. It's so inspirational. They've, they've, got, um, they've got two boys, but they've just adopted a local Indian boy as well and, and they're doing amazing things over there. And, and something about being a missionary is like almost the pinnacle of Christian, Christian ministry in my mind. Like it's like... Uh, this thought of people humbling themselves to become what we call a missionary, in my mind, and I'm sure it's in God's mind too, they become elevated 
to this, not that they're wanting to be elevated, that's the goal. I mean, that's the point, but uh, you know what I'm saying? They're, 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 they're up there and we read Paul and we give him this title of Paul the Missionary. The banner over his life and it's really cool. But being a missionary, I wrote this down, is not just about being sent to the poor and becoming poor yourself. And this is what I want to get into this morning. This is where I want to shake a little bit of our, our thinking. When we hear this word missionary, we, we go to a place in our mind and we paint a picture of a particular type of person in our mind. And I want to just challenge you on that thinking a bit this morning. Why does it always seem easier and more effective when we go on a missions trip? Give me a show of hand if you've ever been on a missions trip, overseas missions trip, or within Australia. Yeah, that's about half of you. You'll notice, I'm sure you could testify to this, that you, when you hit uh, the, the shores of another country and, and you go out and you pray for a sick person and they get better, you're just like, why can't this happen at home? Or you go and lead uh, someone to Jesus on the street and you think, why could I not have done that at home? Has anyone ever thought like that? And many people have thought this through and there's lots of different reasons and I've heard and, and I, I know there would be spiritual issues over certain nations and blessings and curses and there'd be an openness in the, in the spirit. But I think there's a few things in our mindset as we step into that role of becoming a missionary, which activates something to see more fruit. And I want to look at those things this morning because I want to smash the concept in your mind that a missionary is somebody that packs up, leaves everything behind in Batemans Bay, moves over to India to help lepers there in the slums. And that's what you have to do to get the title of a missionary. Okay? I want to speak this morning on what it means to have a a missionary's mindset. You can write that down if you like. To have a missionary's mindset. I want to come back to this scripture. Acts chapter 9 and verse 3 has an interesting line in it. It says this. This is Saul at the beginning of this story. As he was approaching Damascus, so he hadn't had the encounter yet. He hadn't been turned around by the the light of Jesus, hadn't heard Jesus' voice yet. It says this in verse 3, as he was approaching Damascus on his what? Mission. Paul was approaching Damascus on his mission. But he's not even a Christ follower at this stage. And yet the Bible, in my version says that he was approaching Damascus on his mission. He was already a missionary. He just was going in the wrong direction. He just had the wrong focus. Uh, And I think that there was something in Paul's life, characteristics that he had even before his encounter with Jesus, which categorized him in my mind as a missionary. And in this verse's Uh, this verse to state that he was on a mission. That's what I want to look at this morning. What what was it? What was it that characterizes Saul and later Paul, which is easy to get our head around, but 
in the early days Saul, what categorizes him as a missionary? And I've got three points for you. The first one is the thought of going. The element of going is key to somebody with a missionary mindset. The thought of going, whatever that means. Dan said this morning, um, as he was speaking around our, our beyond, that uh, he mentioned the Great Commission. I was going to do that too, Dan, but to go into all the world, preach the gospel. This sense of going, the kingdom is made up of coming, come to me, all who are weary, and I'll give you rest. Come unto me. And then Jesus commanding us to then go. A missional mindset is somebody who has felt the need to go somewhere, whatever that is, whatever that means. It speaks of somebody living with focus. Somebody that's going has a focus on where they're going, right? It's not that deep. Somebody who has purpose. You speak to a, a missionary, they know what they're up to. They know what their goal is. They know what they're doing. They're on a purpose. They are on a mission, funnily enough. They're not floating around and hoping, but they have clarity of mind. God, the Lord has come to give us um, uh, a sound mind. Know what's going on. Know where we're heading. Know what our goal is. Know our focus and our purpose. Paul had that even before his conversion. It was just focused on the wrong thing. See, when you are away from what is familiar, you're on the look for action. You're on the lookout for action. You don't want to waste your time. I've been on a few international mission trips in, in my life, and I know I've, I've, got like, I've got eight days. You want to cram as much as you can into that eight days. I'm only allowed to be away from my wife for eight days with a day of travel either side. But like day seven, she's like, when are you coming home? You know what I mean, Beck? Yeah. And, um, and, but when you, you go somewhere and you have a time frame, you, you want to get in as much as you can. It's taken a bit for you to get to this place. So you don't want to waste any time. These are attributes that we can pick up in our life without needing to move to Calcutta. Living with focus, with purpose, with a sense of going. Imagine if we lived every day with the sense of going or the sense of being sent into our world. The second Thing. The first is the sense of going. The second thing is it's costly to be a missionary. It's costly to be a missionary. We're weighing up some costs at the moment. We're, we're looking to, to, to go to Sri Lanka in October this year and also mid-next year. 
By the way, that is an open invitation for anybody. I've had a few people mention that they'd like to be a part of that trip. Tell me this morning if you want me to give you more information on that. But you know what? It's not going to come cheap. It never does. Financially, it costs a lot of money to travel, doesn't it, Kevin? Superannuation just seems to go down in chunks. It's costly. And a mis- someone with a missional mindset knows that their business is going to be costly. What they are up to is going to cost them something. I remember going to the Philippines one year. Um, I, was, I got shouted to go by my boss at the time. Uh, he used to travel a bit as well, and he'd, he'd go to the Philippines a fair bit, a um, few, few times a year. He took me along one time. I had no money. I said, oh, I can't, can't afford to go on this. No, no, I'll pay, pay you. Anyway. Oh, okay, no worries. That's cool. I can afford it. Cool. Um, so I jumped on this trip with him, and it was, it was great. And we saw a lot of things. We saw amazing things happen. Actually, one of our days, you, you know, on a mission trip, you never know what your day is going to have in front of you. And um, um, come midday, which we didn't realise it was going to happen in the, by morning, but by midday we found ourselves going into a couple of schools, state schools. And um, this one time we walked into this state school into this quadrangle and it was a three-storey sort of complex all facing around this central quadrangle. And I didn't know, but the local um, Christians that were taking us around had organised this with the school that we were going to have an assembly. And all the students were going to come out and um, hear this message of the white missionary, right? So anyway, so I come up to the school and I'm like, oh, this is cool. I've witnessed some great things this trip already. This What's, what's this day going to hold? Only to find out that I was the one getting pushed into the middle of this quadrangle to do this speech of some description in front of this whole school. And there was with three stories high, veranda on each one. So there was three tiers of black faces, little black cute faces all looking down on me. Um, and I found myself preaching the gospel, the great news of Jesus, and then calling for a response. So I had translated with me, calling for a response if anybody wants to invite Jesus in their heart. And I think about 90% of these 500 kids at the time all responded, put their hand up and we closed our eyes and prayed. We were told we weren't allowed to do that when we went in, but we did it anyway. And, uh, and so many kids... In you know, received Christ that day. And it's like huge, huge milestones. And you think, man, I could never do that back home. But something about going and something about the cost of getting there and not wasting any time once you're there just like puts you in a different mindset and you're ready to do this thing. Remember um, later that week, it was a Sunday and we went to visit a church. Actually, the team, we split up. There was about six of us. We split up, went to different churches. And I went to this um, one church after, um, and they had me down to preach. And um, anyway, I arrived at the church and a little family family church, maybe 20 people in it, meeting in the pastor's home that had been extended. And uh, I walked walked in and the pastor, very friendly, comes up, says hello and all that kind of thing and then hands me a yellow envelope, like a little yellow business size envelope. And I was like, oh, no, no. Like, 
he was paying me money to come to be there. No, no, it's fine. No, no, no. And he's sort of forcing it on me. And and the person who was on our team that was with me is like, just take it, just take it. Oh, okay, just take it. I was like, I felt a little bit embarrassed because these guys don't have anything. Um, as the pastor left, uh, moved away to talk to somebody else, the person I was with just filled me in that that was not an envelope with money for me as a guest speaker. That was money as an envelope for me to sow an offering into their church <laughs> that morning. And um, it, I, was, uh, I was just like, really? Like, I've come a long way. The flight was expensive. I didn't have to pay for it, but the flight was expensive. Uh, I'm self-employed, so I haven't had an income for the last 10 days. I'm missing my kids and my family, and there's even more money to be laid out. And it was just a bit of a, an eye-opener for me that in this game of, of, of being somebody that delivers the message that a missionary would carry, there's great cost, and there's always the need to be generous, and there is always the need to be, to be giving. And that's the mindset of a missionary. And if we want to have a, a missional mindset, which I am challenging us all to have, we need to be people that understand it's not just about going, but there is a huge cost involved to have this mindset of a missionary. The gospel is free, but getting it somewhere or delivering it on time often costs a lot. It costs a lot of money, it costs a lot of time, and it costs a lot of effort. Taking the gospel to Bateman's Bay is going to take a lot of money. I know you don't like to realise that, but it does, it will. It's going to take a lot of time, and it's going to take a lot of effort. And it's only those with a missional mindset that are going to see great uh, breakthrough in our town. See amazing things happen in and around your life. A sense of going, a sense that is going to cost. Matthew 16, 25 says, If you're trying to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll find it. And here's my third point that uh, every missionary has in their mindset is the thought that they are available to God to be used. Are we available? Isaiah chapter 6, 8 to 9 says this, Then I heard the Lord saying, Whom shall I send as a messenger to these people? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And he said, yes, go and give my message to these people. I wonder if it's still God's cry from heaven. Who will go for me? I wonder if he's just talking to himself or talking to an angel that just walks by and he's just been thinking, hey, Michael, who who can we use? Who would be available for heaven to be a part of their life and see a great change on planet Earth? Who would be willing to stick their hand up? Is there anybody there with the mindset that they are on a mission 
for us that we can use. Missionaries always seem to be available to do whatever it takes, whenever. All the missionaries I have known also have been ordinary people, but just available. I think, I think there's something about the kingdom of God that is on offer to every single person. The offer to be used by God in a powerful way goes out to every single person, especially the ordinary. And God is just looking for somebody who is available. Who will go for me? Who can we send? Here am I, send me. So here's my conclusion. You've been a great crowd this morning, by the way. Just let you know. You're looking very handsome today. I've got a note in here, sweeten them up. Here's my conclusion. Being a missionary is not just about being poor and ministering to the poor. Hopefully I've rattled that picture, even if you wouldn't confess that thought this morning. I'm pretty sure, if you are like me anyway, that you have this picture of a missionary is somebody who, who loves it when the church sends secondhand used tea bags to them. Well, you remember those days, do you, Kevin? <laughs> when they're living on the what my dad would say, running on the smell of an oily rag. Uh, people in our generation don't know what that means, but it just came to mind. Those, are, those people that have nothing to get by with, that they just want to be there and help people and love people, and that's, that's the concept we have in our mind. But I want to challenge you this morning to, to get rid of that mindset uh, because you just, you, you, it's easy to, to say, well, I'm just not a missional missionary that's fine I can I can I can not need to identify with what Garen's saying this morning because I don't see myself as a mission a, a, a missionary I want to challenge you all this morning you are all missionaries you all need the mindset of a missionary because the mindset of a missionary is somebody who feels like they are going somewhere they are being sent somewhere. They've got a time frame so they're not wasting any of their time. They're about somebody else's business. They have an agenda. They are going somewhere with purpose and with focus. They are also somebody who has counted the cost and does not just give up when there is a, a challenge in front of them to either pay for something with finances, to either invest some time or some energy in a particular person or ministry and also somebody who is available. Someone with a missionary mindset is available. So let's be people that live with that mindset. Is that all right? Hopefully I've challenged you this morning. In these three areas, why don't you stand to your feet? My goal is to challenge you. I honestly, I don't want to be a part of a church that's never challenged. 
that never goes further, never goes deeper, that never does anything more. You're right there, Dad. You, you okay? Who, who, you didn't stand up so fast. All the blood rushes to your head. We've talked about this. When you close your eyes, I'm going to pray for you. Phil's going to lead us in a song as we close. You may be thinking, yeah, I need to be a bit more focused in my life. I need to live like I'm on a mission a bit more. Just floating around from day to day. Need some clarity. I want to pray for you this morning. I also want to pray for those who sense the cost, what God is calling them to do, and you're weighing it up and you're just like, I don't know, I've got to give up my my comfort my comfort I've got to give up my energy and my time the challenge just never seems to go away it's right there but I'm going to pray that God gives you grace to rise above what he's asking of you Paul went on to become this great mission missionary and in this scripture we read in chapter 9 God said to Ananias, no, go and tell him, go and give him his sight back. I'm going to use him as my mouthpiece to the Gentiles and I will... Um, oh, I need to turn to it. Sorry, keep your eyes closed. I'm here. He's my chosen instrument. Take my message to the Gentiles, to the kings as well as the people. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Here is a man that knew what it was to, 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 to have a cost to be paid. Paul, he was, man, he, he went after this new mission in his life with even greater intensity than the former mission. And along the way, the Lord showed him what it was to suffer for his name's sake. He he was beaten continually. He died at one point, was brought back to life again. He was locked up. He he was bitten by a snake. He was like shipwrecked. Like he'd gone through drama after drama, suffering for the name of Jesus. But he was fine with it because the message he carried And the focus and determination that he had far outweighed the cost that he needed to pay for the journey. Oh, that we'd be a little bit more like that. And that we'd be available. Lord, I just pray for every single person here right now. Every single heart that's open. Every single spirit that is open here this morning, Lord. We want you to see that we are available. We want you to see that we are willing and ready to live with a missional mindset in our day-to-day. For some, it's going to be to go uh, to a foreign land, foreign culture, sometime in your life. Uh, sometimes God sets that seed down deep in us, and I'm not speaking timing here at all, but I want to encourage you if you've got that seed in your heart to not let that die. There's something good about that. There's something God about that. But, but for most of us, we can still have this missional mindset in the day-to-day 
where we live, in Bateman's Bay, in our, in our job, in our school, wherever we find ourselves, you can be on a mission, you can be focused, you can carry the greatest message ever to hit planet Earth. We can be a part of this story of the book of Acts where, where the gospel is spreading everywhere and taking over every culture, every subculture. It's penetrating and infiltrating, especially where there is persecution, especially where people do not want it. The gospel seems to flourish. So I pray for grace and mercy upon every single one of us here empowerment by your Holy Spirit. Ananias came, received, gave his sight back to Paul and baptised him in the Holy Spirit. And we believe, Lord God, that we carry your Holy Spirit with us right now into our life, into our world. We want to be missionaries, God, for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, feel why don't you lead us in the song. Lord, I give you my heart. Sing that. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone, every step that I take, every moment I'm away, Lord, have your I live for you alone Every step that I take Every moment I'm away Come on, let's sing that one more time Lord, I give you my heart Lord, I lift your voice Come on I give you my soul. I live for you. Every breath that I take. Every breath that I take. Every moment I'm with. Lord, have your way in me. Thank you. Seal this word in our heart, Lord. Bring it back to our memory. Let us dwell on it. Let us feel your encouragement in it and your challenge in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have a great week. Tea and coffee out the back. Hang around as long as you like. I can see some sunshine out there. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday, a Thursday night, worship and prayer, 6.30.